Welcome to Follow Your Curiosity, where we explore the inner workings of the creative process. I'm your host, Nancy Norbeck. Gail Wood started her career as a massage therapist, opening her own day spa and eventually starting her own online business. While that business has taken different forms throughout the years, she's always found a creative groove in what she does, be it through creating the perfect spa ambiance, writing her own marketing materials, or authoring her own books. Along the way, she's also put together large telesummits and business mastermind groups. Gail talks with me about her experiences in all these endeavors, plus the challenges and magic of staying in trust, finding flow, and learning to live in gratitude, even in situations most of us would not want to be grateful for, which is where the real magic of a gratitude practice lies. Here's my conversation with Gail Wood. Gail, welcome to the podcast. I'm really looking forward to hearing your story today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. So I always ask everybody the same question to get us started, which is how did you get your creative start? Were you a kid? Did you find it later on? What's your story? Um, I would say both. So I feel like I felt like I was very creative when I was a kid, then I lost it and I had to refind it. <laughs> Tell us about that. So as a kid, I definitely was just always in my imagination. Um, I read all the time. We didn't have television. So I was just a bookworm. And I really, for the most part, kind of lived in my own little fantasy world. Still do. <laughs> to some extent. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I was just always pretending, you know, like I remember just roller skating around with a toy gun, being a detective and just, you know, be just being able to be or do anything and not doubting my creativity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. I, I love the roller skating detective. That's great. <laughs> what happened then? Yeah. I, you know, I just think that throughout the years, you know, you, sometimes you have experiences that kind of crush your little... <laughs> spirit a little bit. I remember one in particular, um, a music teacher telling me not to sing the words in the school performance because I was off key. <gasps> I know it's such a terrible story. <laughs> and she said I was to mouth the words. So, and I was eight. I mean, who tells an eight-year-old that? <laughs> and I, so I really kind of can equate that with me kind of becoming a little bit more shy and withdrawn. Just kind of, and not being able to put that experience together for many, many years when I was kind of trying to like learn more about who I am and why I'm the way that I am. And that story came back to me and I was like, oh, that would explain some of that. Explain a lot. And so just, you know, and then just, I think the further along you go in school, the more just structured you have to be, you know, and then you start working. And I think that a lot of that Create creativity can get lost very so, easily. Um, but that comment is fascinating because as soon as you said it, I could just feel myself contract. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> just just the energy of that is wow. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people don't realize how easy it is to make a comment like that and have that kind of impact over time, and yet. I think it happens every day, all the time. Oh yeah, and I'm sure she had no idea. You oh, know, right. she might have even been a student teacher. 
you know, just a, mm-hmm. a, kind of clueless, you know, I don't think there is any ill intent there. <laughs> yeah. Then, you know, I think other things, you know, I remember my mom saying a few times, you know, stop showing off. <laughs> Cause I always wanted to, you know, be the center of attention being a middle child. <laughs> right. Sure. So. Yeah, those comments. I mean, it, it makes me, every time I hear a story like this, it makes me wonder how often I have said something like that, that I thought nothing about that had that kind of impact on someone else. Yeah. You know? I know. I hope not very I hope not very often. <laughs> oh, and my kids. I've probably ruined them in many ways, too. <laughs> it's so easy. We don't think anything of it and yeah. say something and then, and we may not even know the impact. Right. You know, if nobody tells us, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's a little unsettling how little it takes. I think the opposite can be true as well too, though, because you never know when something you say might really help somebody true or, you know, or set them on a, a positive path as well. So very true. Hopefully, that's Maybe more. it all balances out. <laughs> so how did you come back into your creativity after all of that? Yeah, I think the first bit of it was um, when I was in my 20s and I started my first business. And I really got to have fun with decorating it and painting it and kind of, I just loved it. I was like, oh, I have to get a house to decorate and an office. (laughs) (laughs) Bonus. And, you know, in our first open house at, at my little therapeutic massage center, I said, let's have it be an open house and art show. When I got two artist friends of mine to bring all this art to hang on the walls. And so I don't think as I was doing that stuff that I was really thinking like, oh, I'm being really creative here, but it was just like, I was finding an outlet for my natural, Mm -hmm. you know, inclinations. Yeah. Which makes me wonder how many people who say that they're not creative mm-hmm. do things like this all the time and just don't yeah. call it that and don't recognize it when yeah. probably everyone else around them is saying they're so creative. Right. And, and I, I did, I kind of always had that idea that, oh, I'm not, I'm not a creative person because I don't paint. I don't sing. I don't make things <laughs> necessarily with my hands. <laughs> Well, I create beautiful spaces and there's just so many, and now I write and there's just so many different ways. Well, and I have to think that there's creativity in massage therapy too. Oh yeah, definitely. It's, you know, and that there was actually, I saw on, on Facebook the other day, the, the classic argument is, is it the art of massage <laughs> or the science of massage? <laughs> like it's both. It's definitely both. But yeah. I, can you give us an example of the art side of massage? Um, well, I think a big part of that is is the environment that you create for your client so that they can relax. And that's always been really important to me. I mean, imagine getting a massage, you know, in a doctor's office with the lights turned up, <laughs> laying on that paper mat. That would just not be relaxing. It wouldn't be nearly as oh, the paper mat would be really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's part of it. And then, you know, choosing the music, choosing the, you know, the smells and just the whole thing. And then the, the flow of the, the service and really that connection with your client where you kind of know 
like how deep to go and where to go next. And I think you really can just develop a real good, a real intuition for that kind of stuff. I would imagine so. Yeah. Which just goes to show that, you know, there are always things that are creative about things that we might not think of in that Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah. So where did you go from there? So from there, in 2013, I just had been doing the day spa for seven or eight years, and I had a new a toddler and a high schooler. Ooh. And I was like, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I started seeing these ebooks and things popping up online, and I was like, I wonder if I could do something like that. So I just um, got a domain name and started a little blog. And I thought I'm going to write some, some eBooks to help massage therapists. I'm like, this is something I know a lot about. I've been doing it for years. And so I just started down the online business path and there's so much creativity in that. Mm -hmm. So, and that was when I really had to kind of dig in and get over my belief that I wasn't good at writing. <laughs> so how did you get over that belief? Well, I, I kind of stair-stepped it. I did sort of the same thing with, I realized, oh, an experience I'd had that kind of gave me that belief. I like latched onto it. This teacher in high school, you know, didn't like my papers. And so I was like, I guess I'm just not very good at writing. I don't. And I think that's just kind of my personality. I think other people might not create these beliefs about themselves. <laughs> and the I think a way. lot of people do. Yeah, I think a lot <laughs> of people do. But there's, so I had decided I wasn't good at writing. But then if I look back on it throughout my career in the spa, I wrote my spa menus. I wrote all my advertising. I wrote my newsletters to my clients, but somehow like those were different than writing a book in my mind. That Mm -hmm. was, you know, so I just thought, well, even though I might not be very good at writing, I think I can write blog posts. So I was like, I'm just going to, you know, I'll just write just like I talk and publish these blog posts. People were reading them and saying they were helpful. And then I, you know, just kind of took the next step. Well, I mean, what is a book? It's just a bunch of blog posts all smooshed together. Yeah. So it was just kind of step by step. Yeah, I like that. I like that that you kind of said, okay, I've done these smaller things and I think I can do some slightly larger things. And then eventually, well, really, this big thing over here isn't much different than all of these other things. It's just more of them. Yeah. I think that the way we think about things make such a difference in how possible we think that they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I also said, well, I can write, like, it was like, I gave myself permission to write like how to books, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, after, over time I, I expanded, expanded that. And now I write more books where I share my stories and um, haven't written any fiction yet, but maybe someday. Maybe someday. <laughs> But I have to think that your comfort level with all of this increased as you ramped things up too. Yeah. Oh, it definitely does. You know, you get to that, that point where you put stuff out there and, and you're like, okay, well, some people liked it. Some people didn't, I didn't die. And then you can take a little bit of a bigger step. 
I'm laughing and yet I didn't die is often like the most three most important words you could say to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. I did the thing. It may not be perfect, but I didn't die and I can try to make it better. I can try to write a different thing and make that better. There's, there's so much in that recognition that, Hey, you know, I was not struck by a bolt of lightning for angering the gods because I dared to put words on the page and it's all okay. Yeah. So there's a little magic in that, I think. And and our minds, and then if you look into kind of the science of it, our minds don't know the difference between publishing a paper and, um, a real danger, you know, right. A polar bear attack. (laughs) Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. It all seems equally potentially devastating mm-hmm. in our heads until we do it and say, oh, look, the tiger wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, so I started writing more and then doing some online classes and um, just really putting all my creative energy into my my little side business, um, which then became my main business. But now I'm like, well, now it's my business. Now I need something for the creating <laughs> another thing. I need a new side business. I made my, I made my hobby my job. <laughs> and I feel like, oh, now I just feel like I work all the time. <laughs> so so um, I'm kind of dabbling and figuring out what, what I want to do next. It's interesting that you put it that way, that you made your hobby your job, because, you know, I know I, when I was a kid, heard all the time, you know, do the things you love as a hobby, because then they don't become your job and you don't have to work at them and you can enjoy them and all of that. So I'm curious to know how, how you find that worked out in your experience. Um, I mean, I think it was great because that was I got to do something I loved and I really had the goal of creating the whole, you know, laptop lifestyle, don't have to get dressed and go to work. And that those were like my, my goals. And I still love that. I'm like, Oh my gosh, now I can't even imagine like, you know, setting my alarm clock mm-hmm. and doing things like that used to be just normal every day, had to do those things. Um, but at the same time, it does take some of the fun out of it and, and excitement out of it when you have to do it to get that paycheck. And when it was a side thing, you know, my paycheck was over here. And if I made money off my online business, it was like extra and a, and a bonus. And it just had a more, a lot more of a fun energy to it. <laughs> Have you found a way to put the fun back into it? Um, I love collaborating. So I love doing big projects with people, like putting together an online summit or something like that. And I think that's a real, you know, that's a real creative process to create a big event. Mm -hmm. I love doing that. Um, But yeah, I think it's just a a journey and a process. So I'm kind of in the, in the thick of it right now. I'll let you know. Okay. That's fair. (laughs) Well, I have to admit, I, I have seen so many online summits in the last decade or so. And I'm sure that a lot of people listening have too, but I have never seen what the behind the scenes is like. Could you tell us how, you know, how does that thing kind of come together and how does the creativity fit into it? Oh yeah. Well, so, I mean, the first thing is you have to have 
your idea of what you want your online summit to be about. And I am kind of, you know, what's, what's the energy of it? What do you want people to experience when they come to your virtual event? Um, there's a lot of reaching out and connecting with people to light up your speakers. So, you know, just kind of, I like doing that kind of research. Like, who can we invite to speak at our summit? And to get 25 good speakers, you might have to invite 100 people. So, you know, you're creating your email message to them to invite them to your summit. And then just putting the, putting all the parts and pieces together. There's a lot of writing. So I do my summits with, with a business partner, but pretty much he does the technical side of things. Mm-hmm. And I work with the speakers and I do most of the writing. Okay. So, you know, so I'm writing the emails to um, to the speakers so they'll know what to expect. Um, I'm writing the emails to everybody who signs up for the summit. We create different packages people can buy if they want to have mm-hmm. you know, ongoing access to everything. So it's just a big project with a lot of parts and pieces. And it's so, to me, it's so fulfilling to see it kind of all just come together and work. I'm sure. You know, I had an event that 500 or a thousand people came to and I made it out of nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I have to imagine that for the first one in particular, it was probably a moment of, wow, how did all of this actually come together? And I was a nervous wreck. I was doing these, um, we decided to do this panel interviews with panelists and I was interviewing and I'd never done anything like that before. I just remember not even being able to sleep the night before, just heart pounding. Like, I bet I'm going to do a panel interview. Like, who do I think I am? (laughs) Yeah. And I, I have to think that, you know, the first one must feel very different than the fifth or sixth one, just because now, you know, more people and you have the relationships with, with the panelists that Mm -hmm. you want to talk to. How, how is it to do the first one? And did you know a lot of the people that you invited or were you really doing a lot of cold calling essentially? We were doing quite a bit of cold calling and actually a lot of the people that were, that ended up being speakers were kind of people I had looked up to for years. And I was like, I can't, you know, I kind of couldn't believe they were at my summit. (laughs) I was a little starstruck. Um, And now one of them's a good friend of mine now, and she just laughs at me. She's like, I can't believe you're starstruck by me. I'm like, but you were in the magazines. Right, right. Well, obviously, you had something really special that I didn't have. Or so it seemed. Right. Yeah. Because it's interesting, you know, as soon as you see somebody, you know, in a magazine or on a TV news spot or whatever, it so changes our impression of who mm-hmm. they are, how accessible they are. All, all of those kinds of things. Yeah. And now I know how easy it is to do that. I'm like, oh, yeah. We, we build stuff up in our heads, don't we, to be this yeah. yeah. So how many of these have you done now? So I've done, I think, five summits. I've done five bundle sales. And that's when you get different people to all contribute digital mm-hmm. products and, and sell them in a bundle. And that's a really fun big project as well. And I think you actually really just helped me. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) well, just talking through these things. I'm like, 
I like big projects with lots of moving parts and pieces and trying new things. So I think I'm going to be meditating on that. Well, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've done summits. I've done bundles. And, you know, it's not quite the creative challenge when it's the fifth one or the sixth one. Right. Yeah. So. Right. So what do you think the next thing might look like? Yeah, well, I would love to do a live, some kind of live retreat, mm-hmm. even a writing retreat. And I had that idea a little bit. And then, of course, we had COVID. Yeah. Those ideas got put on the back burner. So that might be something fun to revisit. And I'm really feeling that, um, you know, I've been online for just about 10 years and I'm kind of feeling like I've come full circle and I want to be around real live humans again. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we all seem, especially though, I don't know, in the last two years, maybe it's more like we're forced online to talk to people. Yeah. Whereas before we were choosing to be online to talk yeah. to people. And now it's kind of like, yeah, I, I liked people in person. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of staring at a screen and it, it's not as bad for me now as it was say a month into being at home for the pandemic, where I remember thinking, if I get one more Zoom link, I am going to scream. You know, now it's kind of like, yeah, okay, we can do it on Zoom or we can do it on the other thing, you know, but at the same time, there's just, I think we all appreciate being in the same room with other people so much more now than we did before. I wonder how long that'll last. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I can tell you what I go when I go out and um I can't remember what I was doing the other day. I think some shopping or something. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm I like people, but not all the people. <laughs> yeah, let's be specific about what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah. Crowded Costco on Saturday evening, yeah. half an hour before closing. No thank you. <laughs> but hanging out with people we like different thing entirely. Yeah. Yeah. And you could just, there's just so much, yeah. So much of a deeper connection when you're in person with people and sitting around of maybe a rather campfire talking or something like that. So yeah. Yeah. Did you have much interaction with people who came to the summits though? Well, we, we would always include a Facebook group. Okay. So I've and. And we would do special things in the group to kind of create that community aspect. So Mm -hmm. I feel like we did. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still a different energy than when you're all in the same room. So no question. No question. So what kind of of writing retreat do you think you might do? I'm I'm curious to hear, you know, what, what has come out of your slow path to increased confidence in writing that, (laughs) that you want to pass on? Well, I mean, I just, I think that everybody can write. There's nobody out there that, that can't write. And I have so many people that I'm connected with on social media or on my email list who are like, oh, you know, God, I'd love to write books like you. I'm like, well, you can. I mean, I'm not special. <laughs> so I would love to do something where, you know, maybe people come and they're a little unsure about how to get started. If their ideas are good enough, maybe we could just kind of workshop an outline and then have some chunks of time where you just sit and write. 
So I think that's the hardest thing Mm -hmm. for most people is like, oh, well, I can't sit and write today. I've got this, this, and this going on. And it just can get put off and put off and put off. So I think it'd be a real good like jumpstart. Yeah. And I think doing that in a retreat environment makes it so much easier because your time is already spoken for to do the thing you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ooh, and I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Perfect. So what else have you, I, I, I think that aside from, you know, you mentioned like decorating spaces and things like that. We tend to think of business as a cut and dried kind of thing rather than a creative thing. Mm-hmm. So what else have you found on the creative side as you've moved through the business world? Well, I just think it's, you know, I'm always just thinking, well, what, what am I going to make next? What am I going to sell next? So one of my top selling ideas was a marketing content club. Oh. And this was for massage and spa therapists. And so each month I, I would create images and blog articles and content that they could use to promote their businesses. And so that was really a fun creative process. Um, I, when I first started, I did it all myself. And then once I was making more money, I got to hire a graphic designer and even um, a copywriter to help do my blogs and everything for my members. But I just loved going out and kind of sourcing the ideas on the internet and then picking the photo to go with the idea. And, you know, so for five years, I created these packages. And, And I think there was a lot of, it was a bit of an art. Mm-hmm. And also trying to think, well, what would my members want? What would be useful to them? And then pulling it all together. I went absolutely crazy with the holiday content. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and the funny animals. I mean, I'd just be cracking myself up. You know, when I. <laughs> was it's cracking life. yourself up the sign of content success. Yes. <laughs> <I think so. laughs> so. So that was, so I did that. I did that for about five years, but you know, like, like anything, I just, I got to the end of it and I was like, I'm done. Like I have all of my content creativity for this industry is done. <laughs> so I actually sold that part of my business to some people oh, that wow. I know. they're going to add their own special touches to it and keep selling that content and, and moving it forward. So I, wow. I didn't want to, I didn't want to like throw it away. I'm like, this is really good content. It can keep helping mm-hmm. people make money. <laughs> yeah, no, congratulations. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, so that was exciting. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's kind of, you know, that what can I do next to help people that I also want to create and kind of have both of those elements. Mm-hmm. Have you run into moments where you know it's time to move on, but you have no idea what's next? Yeah. I'm kind of. <laughs> How? <laughs> How do they usually work out? Um, you know, there could be some stumbling, but I think I'll stumble upon, I, th- I just try different things, mm-hmm. kind of see what takes. So 
I, I wrote a whole blog about this the other day, but like in May, I had I had two wins and a huge flop. <laughs> and those are never fun. Right. But I'm like, but I also learned a lot. And I think, you know, it gave me clarity. And honestly, I feel like it was the universe looking out for me. Because when I really got down to it, I was like, you know, I was putting this program out there because I thought it would work. And I thought, well, it's something I can do. But it wasn't something that was really right for me right now. So, yeah, I'm like, oh, I feel like I was kind of protected. Because what if three people had signed up? Then I have to do this program for a whole year for three people. (laughs) I was so too, but you know, right? But you'd—I can understand feeling obligated. I should. I said, you know. So how? What's your yardstick, for want of a better word, for being able to tell the difference between I'm doing this because I think it'll work and I should do it versus I'm doing the thing that I really should be doing? Um, I think that's one of the hardest things to figure out. So, and I've just found that the things that you're, you should be doing that are really aligned, just kind of flow. They just seem to just move right along. Mm -hmm. And the other ones seem to have little kind of roadblocks. Big places where, where you get stuck. (laughs) Cause I can think about courses I put out there. Like one of my most popular courses ever was learn to teach couples massage. And I just, it was going to, it was a live workshop. I put it together and, you know, it took me a couple of weeks to put it together, but the whole time I was promoting it up to the live workshop, it was just like, so people were excited about it. Um, It was easy to put together. And then it's been one of my, you know, best sellers of all time Mm -hmm. still sells. So I mean, sometimes you just get these winners. And sometimes, you know, I think it's like anything else. I mean, and somebody who paints paintings, you know, you'll have a few that are everyone's favorite. Go for more money. <laughs> it's a matter of, well, okay. Yeah. I, I like the idea of there just being a flow to it mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of, you know, hitting those speed bumps all the time. Because I think that we tend to do that. We tend to hit the speed bumps and think, well, I can't give up because that that's just quitting and that's ridiculous, even though this is the 77th speed bump now and I'm getting really tired of being jostled around. Because I think we think that flow is too easy or maybe even isn't real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and I can look back at that, that one that I just, you know, tabled because <laughs> it didn't go anywhere. And it, you know, it felt hard. I was mm-hmm. like, well, what am I going to you know, like oh, I should do a webinar. I'll do a webinar to promote it. It just, it just felt, it just felt hard. And when something's right, it doesn't feel hard. Like I'm like ex- super excited to promote it. It doesn't feel like, um, yeah. like a bunch of work. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we would all do well to pay attention to those things and not write mm-hmm. them off as, you know, oh, it's just a fluke or, I should just keep beating my head against this brick wall because that's what everybody says that you should do if you want to succeed because anything else is giving up and then you're a loser. And, you know, I I think we have so much cultural baggage attached to all of that, but sometimes 
as you say, you're hitting those speed bumps for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, and it can just stop and, you know, good stop and just look at it. <laughs> What's going on here? And so, but you know, I'm a, I'm a high achiever. And so I pushed myself through all of that. And then, you know, and then when it did, when it didn't take off at all and nobody signed up for it, I was simultaneously like mad that it didn't work (laughs) and super relieved that it didn't work. (laughs) Yeah. I think when you're that relieved, that's, that's the real sign. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, so that being said, I'm at the point with my online business where like, okay, I'm ready to move on and do new things not just specifically for the massage and spa industry. I'm not completely sure what new things. So, you know, I'm like, I might go do massage again. And so that I can figure it out without the pressure. That's a good point. You know. Yeah. Well, I won't get paid if I don't figure it out. (laughs) I have a lot of pressure on a creative person. Yeah. And you know, since you say that, and I've never done massage, so I have no idea what I'm talking about. I could be completely wrong, but I, I'm wondering, you know, when, when you've been doing something like massage for a long time, you really know it. And, Mm -hmm. and a lot of it undoubtedly comes to you really intuitively. So you don't really have to be thinking about it. If it's one of those activities, you know, kind of like when people say, because Lord knows I have said many times, all of my good ideas come while I'm driving or in the shower. Yeah. If, if massage works that way for you. Oh, I think so. I, I had that thought right before you said that. I'm like, <laughs> oh, really great ideas to those massages. I think of some way to like write them down though. <laughs> yeah, that would be awkward. <laughs> I didn't come up with. <laughs> but yeah, and, and it's, for me, like I do a massage every now and again mm-hmm. with friends that maybe need somebody to go do a couple's massage with them or something. And I'm always like, oh, what a nice break from my computer. <laughs> it seems to me like the kind of thing that gets you out of your head. Yeah. Because it's it's such a physical thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of the time when we get stuck creatively, it's because we are too much in our heads. Yeah. And, and we need to go get out of the thinking brain and let other parts of us, you know, zip into action, which is what happens when you're driving on a long trip or just standing around in the shower, you know, because you're on autopilot, you know how to do everything you need to do in the shower. You don't actually have to think about it. So that part's engaged and the rest of you is free to Mm -hmm. wander off to la la land. Yeah. And even, I mean, that's what I always say for anytime you feel that stuck energy, it's like, go for a walk or take a quick nap. Because just sitting there trying to make it happen is going to take 10 times longer than taking a break mm-hmm. and coming back to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in your experience doing massage, do you, have you noticed like, I don't exactly know how to ask this question. I'm not sure. Um, but I would think when, when you have something like that, that's a big part of your life that does get you out of your head, mm-hmm. that 
you must end up being more aware, not only of the difference between being in your head and being out of it, but also, you know, how those two states of being can contrast and also inform each other. Does that make sense as a question? It makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just kind of another another form of flow where, you know, but it's a forced, it's a kind of a forced hour long break. <laughs> Some of us need forced hour long breaks. I do, I, do, I know, I do. <laughs> And I used to joke because we would be so busy in the summers at the spa and you, I mean, you really can do a great massage and still kind of be thinking your own thoughts most of the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like what you just said about driving a car or anything else. I'm like, did I do that leg? (laughs) Because (laughs) I'm on autopilot and I'm over here on this leg, which means I probably did that leg, but I don't remember that leg. But we would always joke. We could do massage in our sleep. We could, I was like, I could do massage when I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just the sign that you've had lots of practice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. Like I said, you don't, you know what you're doing in the shower. You don't need to think about yeah. it because you've done it over and over yeah. again so many times. And, and I think there's magic in that. There's, there's magic in that muscle memory. Mm-hmm. You but know, you also want to make sure you have that intention that you know what I, you do need to have a connection with, right? And and so that can go if it's going too far in that direction, you're probably getting a little burnout. <laughs> that could be, yeah. But at the same time, I think there's probably that magic point, mm-hmm. you know, right at the right place, yeah, where things just kind of come together all on mm-hmm. their own. That. Yeah. Most of us wish we could find a lot more frequently. Yeah. So. So who knows? What's next? (laughs) (laughs) I'm really having to be in this place of trust because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing at this point. I have some ideas. I have some plans. But (laughs) have you landed in this place of, of trust before? Yeah. So, you know, the territory a little bit. Yeah. Still, it's hard not to slip into like freak out mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Been here before. And I, what I do is I kind of try to look at all the logical things. Like, okay, what am I freaking out about? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I have my, I have my house. I have my, you know, I'm not financially having issues right now. So what exactly am I freaking out about? Not, you know, like there's not really anything to. Yeah. And that's another thing that I feel like we're told we should freak out about things like that sometimes, whether we Mm -hmm. actually need to or not. Yeah. And so then we have these moments, like you say, where you're going, I'm freaking out, but I'm not exactly sure why. Yeah. (laughs) Because I think I'm okay. Am I really okay? Am I just lying to myself? Oh, no, I might be lying to myself. Maybe the world isn't. You know, we can go in that spiral so easily. I feel like trust is such a hard place to live from. Mm hmm. And, but when you get there, it's like, oh, you know, then that's when the magic starts to happen that somebody will call you with this, you know, do you want to work on this project with me? Or, um, you know, I have a story of when I was, when I was doing massage, my daughter was little, I was a single mom and 
it was winter time. I just didn't have a lot of money coming in. I went to my brother's for Christmas and I was kind of crabby because I was all stressed out. <laughs> I, when I was in my car driving home, I was like, I have to call and I have to apologize <laughs> for my crabby behavior. This is not like me. And I said, I'm really, really sorry. This is not like me at all. And I'm just, you know, super grateful we got to have Christmas together. And, um, and just so you know, I appreciate you and all these things I needed to say. And I hung up my phone and not five minutes later, bed and breakfast called me with, you know, four or six massages. I can't remember exactly what for the next day. And I was like, see, there you go. That's the energy. <laughs> That's where you stay. Yeah. You so know. Do you have any words of wisdom for how to get into that energy? Um, yeah. Well, gratitude, of course, is always huge. Whenever we can, you can't simultaneously be grateful and freaking out at the same time. They're just two completely different energies. So gratitude is always my go-to one. Um, I actually wrote a book called The Gratitude Habit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a great energy shifter. And then, you know, like we were just talking about really just putting your logical mind onto it, you know, and then I think taking, sometimes taking some just action, like, well, I'm not going to think right now. I'm just going to do this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it could be action in the direction of making something happen. This is what I teach in marketing too. I'm like, if you're really, really stressed out, do something to shift your energy. And then you need to get busy with some marketing activities. And either the marketing activities will work or the energy will shift. And something you did five weeks ago will work. (laughs) Almost always works, you know, when you can just shift into that that other mindset of of trust. So well, and I think that point about taking action is so important. Like even if it's a small thing, it's still something that you know, you've done, once it's done, Mm -hmm. it's no longer on your list. You can move on to the next thing. It's your to-do list is getting shorter and you're getting closer to wherever you wanted to end up, even if it's in tiny steps. And there's also that sense of accomplishment, even for that small thing. It's like, Oh, look, I checked the thing off the list. And and all those things are going to raise your energy just a little bit more. And, you know, you can kind of, you know, we can't always go from like, okay, I'm really scared and freaked out and stressed to I'm super high vibe and in flow. <laughs> it's like there's levels and steps. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, how can I get just to the next step right now? And then, you know, and then sometimes it's like, you, know, you can just put it aside for a while. Be like, okay, well, I have all this stuff to worry about, but I'm going to worry about it tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I want to ask you, since you mentioned, you know, gratitude and the fact that you've written an entire book about it, because I feel like in, in my experience, I know, I remember when Oprah started talking about gratitude 25 years ago Mm -hmm. and, you know, you could buy the little gratitude journal and whatever. And I think that the, the wisdom about doing a gratitude journal back then was like at the end of every day, write down three things that you were grateful for that day. And I did this faithfully every day and kept waiting for the big promised moment that, you know, of Oprah saying everything was going to change and it never happened. And I kept wondering 
why it wasn't happening. And I've concluded in the last year or two that there's a piece missing there, at least one, you know, that you have to do more than just say, yay, I'm grateful for these three things today. But I would love to hear your take on that because I'm always curious how people approach this. Yeah, so I think that it's um, it's really powerful to be grateful like, even for the things that are happening to you or for you. <laughs> and that's kind of the next level. Like, yeah, we I can be happy every day that I have a house. My kids are healthy. And, but it, it just kind of gets a little mm-hmm. rote to where it loses kind of its meaning. So I started kind of digging around and being like, okay, well, my kid has the stomach flu. What can I be grateful for in about this? <laughs> and I think just really stretching myself mm-hmm. and trying to find gratitude, you know, in places where I wouldn't normally find it. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I feel like that may, is a little bit of a more powerful way of mm-hmm. doing it. Um, what did you find to be grateful for with your kid's stomach flu or oh a similar gosh. situation? That I have a washer and dryer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a good answer. Because <laughs> I can imagine people listening going, you're grateful your kid has the stomach flu. What the heck? Yeah. You know, but, but yeah, no, that's a great answer. Yeah. That my husband will stop at the store and get the Gatorade on his way home. <laughs> You know, there's all, I just feel like there's, I'm not going to say always because of course mm-hmm. I'm, there's a lot of situations and circumstances I haven't been in, but I think you can almost always find something. So. Yeah. And when you give those examples, it suddenly seems so much easier. Yeah. And frankly, they seem like much more meaningful things mm-hmm. than I, I have my house. I get to sleep in a, you know, comfortable room tonight, or I had my favorite mac and cheese for lunch, you know, or whatever, whatever it was. And those were always the kind of things that were popping into my head, you know, it's like, unless something extraordinary had happened that day, everything seemed so mundane, but, but I feel like by stretching like that, you found things that, wow. Yeah. I really do appreciate I've got washer and dryer right in my house. I do not need coins to operate it and I can run it as frequently as necessary while my kid is sick. That's huge. Mm -hmm. I don't have to drive into town and haul barf clothes in my car. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, and I think too, like I I was driving past in town where I used to go to the laundromat when my daughter was little and I was telling my son about it. I'm like, that's where I did laundry when Grace was little and she'd crawl around on the floor and pick up cigarette butts Ooh. and nasty stuff. And I'm like, yeah, like I am so grateful for my washer dryer. <laughs> you just made me grateful all over again. <laughs> yeah, no, I think those are actually great things. And, and those are the kinds of things that we don't notice. And I think maybe that's the whole point of the gratitude exercise is to yeah, notice the things that we don't being notice. Super stressed out. I was missing work. You know, I was worried about my kid. I could also be grateful that, like, yeah, we have a doctor we can call. Mm-hmm. We, we live in a country with expensive medical care, but we have medical care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's just so many people that don't have even those simple, simple things. Yeah. 
Well, and, and the other thing that's interesting to me about the fact that you approached it that way is that I remember reading a, a Melody Beatty book of codependency, codependent no more fame. And I can't remember now exactly what it was called. I'll, I'll find it in time to put it in the show notes, but it was a, a largely about gratitude. And she talked about being grateful for everything, even the bad stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't remember her getting that specific about it. And so that was really more of, okay, I'm supposed to be grateful. My kid has the stomach flu. How, how can I be grateful that my kid has the stomach flu and it's completely up, upturned my life? And, yeah. you know, and I feel like that is an interesting approach. And I think that there's probably value in it, which I can't speak to anymore because it's been at least 10 years since I read this book. But the way that you did it feels much more direct and meaningful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. think it, 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 it's one of those things like it immediately raises your and it changes your energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think her idea was, you know, to get you out of, oh man, this idiot in front of me on the road is going really slow and I can't get around him. And now I'm going to be late for everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, even if you, you know, don't entirely believe that you're grateful for this person being really slow, maybe that person is, you know, sparing you an accident further up the road or, you know, a chance encounter you didn't want with somebody in the parking garage when you got to work, you know, you, you don't know, Mm -hmm. but I I think that's a kind of a leap of faith in there because you don't know. But I think that's the idea is to get you out of that spiral Mm -hmm. of, this is terrible and everything is going to be bad. And now I'm angry because I'm stuck in traffic and yeah. I live in New Jersey. Can you tell? <laughs> Not that we have a monopoly on traffic and people acting out in traffic, but, but yeah, I think now that I'm talking about it, I think that was the whole idea it was yeah. to just undo the spiral. And I think there's value in it, even if you just approach it that way as a, as an act of faith. Oh gosh, we got stuck one time on I-95. <laughs> We were coming home from Florida from Christmas vacation, and we got stuck in an ice storm, like right on the Florida-Georgia border. Boy, how likely is that? Not very. Yeah. So, you know, they don't have a piece of ice or snowplow in the whole state. (laughs) Yeah. And so for five hours, (gasps) we're stuck for five hours before we could even just get off and go to a hotel. Like... (laughs) I had to get out. I had to like pee next to the car. I wasn't going to ask, but I was wondering. <laughs> but the whole time it was like, my husband's one of these people that stresses out in traffic. And I was just kind of like, oh no, here we go. Mm. He was cool as a cucumber. Wow. I know. And I was like, wow, well, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful we packed a lot of snacks. And I just was like the whole time, like, I know there are people in this traffic that have, you know, babies and are having Mm -hmm. a really rough go of it. And here we are in our comfy car. Mm -hmm. Might as well be grateful. We're stuck for five hours. (laughs) It's an amazing way to look at it. (laughs) Amazing. That's, that's like a contender for the gratitude Olympics, I think, (laughs) but, but I, it's, it's a fabulous story. I mean, what a great way to look at how that gets you through the five hours that aren't what you want to do, but there's nothing you can do about it. 
Oh my so, God. Yeah. And so grateful we all have phones <laughs> to entertain <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Cause that could easily just become the worst day ever. It could. Yeah. We could and it sounds like time. a day. We could all stress out the whole time. And it's funny because husband's a traffic stress out person normally, but I feel like he just knew that situation was, it wasn't your normal, like, oh, these right. jerks are going slow and we're going to be 20 minutes late. It was just like way beyond that. <laughs> well, it's such a freaky thing in the first place for yeah. where you were. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know weather down in Florida in December can be weird, but generally mm -hmm. not that weird. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's something to aspire to for all of us who are listening. The next time we get stuck somewhere is mm -hmm. to think about how well we actually have it as opposed to everything that's wrong with it. And really any, you know, anytime things aren't going your way or you're just in kind of that, I don't know, day-to-day -day grumpy mode of ugh, pay the bills, make the dinner. Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I'm grateful. I have money to pay my bills. Right. You know. Right. Because, boy, think about the alternative to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or my car. I wouldn't start the other day. It was a big pain in the butt, rigmarole. But I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful. My husband left work and came home to help me sort it out. Yeah. Otherwise, you know. Yeah. There's just always something <laughs> yeah there's more than we think there is yeah 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 well so, i'm i'm grateful that i asked the question because yeah. i love this way of looking at it so and and i'm grateful that you came to talk to me today i'm grateful to be here that was fun that's this week's show so much gratitude to gail wood for joining me and thank you very much for listening I hope you'll leave a review. There's a handy link right in your app for the episode telling us about something you never expected to be grateful for. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. Thanks. You know, I talk to people all the time who are feeling totally lost, overwhelmed, and stuck creatively. And I know there are lots more of you out there who are feeling the same way. So I made something to help. Check out the link in your podcast app for my creative tune-up kit. It's 37 bucks, super affordable, and it's full of my favorite coaching tools to help you rediscover your creative self and make progress fast. I would love to get it into your hands so that you can get unstuck and create beautiful things this year. Follow Your Curiosity is produced by me, Nancy Norbeck, with music by Joseph McDade. If you like Follow Your Curiosity, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends. It really helps me reach new listeners. 